So we get to continue today this series called Connect, Finding True Community. Um, in this series, we're, we're just learning, right, how to, how to connect with each other. And, and I know that sounds like such a, a, a simple thing, such a, a, a basic thing, but it, yet it's so critical that we build relationships that we learn what it's like to live in community with each other. That's really, we see that throughout the New Testament. We see how the early church flourished, right, when they were connected, when they were serving together, when they were eating together, when they were uh, working together and sharing together and, and living together. We see this kind of this, this movement start, and I feel like we've gotten away from that a little bit. And uh, especially because of the pandemic, and that's really uh, was kind of what led us to talk about this. We've talked about in this series why we need friends. Last week, we talked about how to be a faithful friend. And this week, I want to keep diving in. I want to look to Jesus. I want to see how Jesus can, can teach us what it's like to, to have relationships and how to interact with others. And when we look in Scripture, one of the things we see, and when Jesus repeats himself, you know this is important. This is something we've got to talk about. And, and, and so it's the same way with, with, in the Scripture when we see Jesus keep talking about over and over again, right? We need to love the Lord our God, and we need to love our who? Our neighbor as ourself, Right? We see that over and over again. Uh, uh, they'll know we are disciples by our what? By our love. Uh, we see this, this, this theme throughout Scripture that, that we need to love God. We need to love others. We need to love our neighbor. We need to, uh, that's really what the world will see different about Christians. And far too often, I feel like we get in what I would call our Christian bubble, right? Uh, I used to, to, it used to, Jennifer and I had quite a few jokes. We used to go to the Christian bookstores when bookstores were a thing. Y'all remember those? When bookstores actually existed like Christian. And we'd go to Winston and you'd, you'd go in and you'd see all these little trinkets. And, and, and I remember, do you remember the, the Christian breath mints they had? The testaments at the counter. That's the Christian bubble I'm talking about. When we get to the point where we need Christian breath mints, we've got Christian books, we've got Christian movies, we've got and we're like, we get in our little bubbles, right? And sometimes we forget there's a world around us that needs to know Jesus, right? And, and even in church, the, the, the tendency is to pull inward in it to, to be what's called like the holy huddle, right? It's like we're here and the world's going to hell, but we don't care because we're here. Um, that's us for and no more, and we're happy about it. And, and that's some churches kind of tend to, to draw inward. And, and I want to kind of push back against that this morning. And let's talk about what it really looks like to love God and to love others, to put others first. To, you know, you see in Scripture, don't think of yourself too highly. We see this theme throughout Scripture. And what we see when we look at Jesus is yes, he had his disciples, he had his holy huddle, but he was always looking for others. We'd see him walk through the crowd and, and start a conversation with someone that he really shouldn't be talking with according to the customs of the day. We'd see him notice people who were hurting 
who were sick, who needed healing. We see Jesus kind of reach out and, and, and minister to, to, to all sorts of people. It seems like as we read through Scripture that Jesus was never bothered. He was never inconvenienced. He was always looking uh, at the others around him. And, and for us, I think it's so easy to get comfortable. It's so easy just to keep doing things the way we've always done it, to hang out with the same people, to do the same things, to stay in our bubble, right? Come to church and hang out with, 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 with our friends. And, and I'll just tell you, the longer you've been a Christian, the harder this is because it, it really, over time, what happens is we, we get to a place where all of our friends are Christian. They're the same people we've always hung out with. We're in a small town, so a lot of people have known each other for a long time. And, and you, you get in that place where you really, don't, uh, you really don't really notice people around us. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Here's the first thing. Here's the first point. I'm going to jump in today. Um, and it's just that we, we can accomplish more for the kingdom by working together. And this it should be this should be just a, something that just resonates with you. You should hear this and say, of course. But so often we don't live like it. So often we live like it's an inconvenience to work with someone else, so I'm just going to do it myself. Have you ever found yourself saying that? Have you ever found yourself living like that instead of working with someone else, I'm just going to do it on my own. I can just handle it. I can do There's a verse in Proverbs that many of you have heard. Um, in Proverbs 27, 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And when you read that, right, I mean, what is it, what is it talking about? It just is, it's an important biblical principles that God expects us to live and to serve in a community of other believers. And as we do life together, what's going to happen is we're going to knock the sharp, you know, the, the jagged edges off of each other, and we're going to sharpen each other. Um, because when you're around people, right, that can encourage you and equip you and train you and teach you, what happens? You both end up making each other better. And so we can accomplish more together than separately. And so that's why it's so important that we have solid relationships. And we're going to start, right, in with this core group just like Jesus did. He had his three, right? Uh, he, we, had Peter, we, we had Peter, James, and John. And then he had the other 12. And then he had the 72. And then he had the crowd, right, that was following him. But what we start with our inner groups so we can be more effective, so we can notice more, so we can minister more, so we can share more, and we can kind of spread out. And, and we look at that, and, and I would say, it's even, if you look on our sign out front, on the front of the building and the, back in the cafe, we've got our core values. One of our core values at, at Cornerstone is teamwork. We can accomplish more together. And I, I think back to, you know, from the start of this church, um, we decided that, that we wanted to have teams of people working together. We didn't want to have committees because committees just kind of sit around and talk about what needs to be done while teams actually go out and do it. Amen? 
If you're in a workplace, you may have a lot of committees and a lot of meetings you go to, and, and often what happens is everybody just talks about, well, that needs to be done, that should be done, that, but stuff really doesn't happen. But when you have a team of people, what, you all have the same mission. You have the same goal. You, you are working together. And, and that's what we're called to do in, in the Christian life. You may have heard the old ancient proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. You heard that? There's a lot of truth to that, right? Sometimes we can do things quicker on our own. But if you want to be more effective, if you want to leave a legacy, if you want to make a true impact, if you want to have an influence, it means we do it together. Um, it's interesting when Jesus, he had been spending time with the disciples and it was time to kind of to get their feet wet. It was time for them to go out and do some ministry. In Luke chapter 10, uh, we see the, the story, uh, and this is what it says. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples. He sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. And I feel like we forget this sometimes. You know, Jesus would show up and there's a crowd. Why was there a crowd? Because they were waiting on him, because they had heard about him, because the disciples had gone on ahead to tell the people, hey, you won't believe what we've seen and what we've heard and who this Jesus really is. And these were his instructions to them. It says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. And so I, I, I would say we're in this place today where we're coming together as a church to learn, to be equipped, to be encouraged, to be taught so that we can be sent out as lambs among wolves in the world today. Uh, that's really what we're doing. We're going out. We're being sent out to, uh, just like Jesus sent out the 72, we are being sent out to do ministry, to do work in his name. And notice that Jesus did not send them alone. He sent them out in pairs. He sent them out in groups of people. And, and so, it, it, you know, don't forget that our primary mission as followers of Jesus is to go and make disciples. That's our primary mission. That's why we have church. That's why we are still here and we're not in heaven with the Father. He has left us here on earth to do his work, to do his ministry, to go and make disciples. So our life, it's not about us. It's not about how how much we can accumulate, what we can possess. It's not about how comfortable we are. It's about how we can go and make disciples. And the truth is we need others to do it with. Satan wants us to believe, hey, if you, that you, you're weak if you need help. Satan wants us to think we don't need anyone else, but we can handle it on our own. I want you to, to, to you know, as you read through scriptures, you read through the New Testament, I want you to think about the community they lived in. And I know it was 2,000 years ago. I know it was a different culture, a different time. But relationships stand the principle of time. And I want you to see how they lived in relationship with each other. To look at how the church functioned. To see how they lived together and worked together and ate together, right? To see how they sold their possessions and took care of each other. 
to see how effective they were, that when the world saw how they were living, it made the, it drew them to this, and, and they noticed something different about the way they lived. They noticed that they had been with Jesus. And so the, the amazing thing is, is we are here today because of the relationships and the community that started 2,000 years ago. When Jesus was, was crucified, Looked like all hope was lost. Uh, the, the disciples scattered. Uh, it, it was, a, it was a, a time where this whole movement could have collapsed. But what happened? Something changed, and it was the resurrection. They saw Jesus come back from the dead, and it changed everything about how they lived. And so then they started meeting together. Then they received the Holy Spirit as you read at Pentecost and Acts. And you see how they started then teaching and preaching. And you see in Acts 8 how because of persecution they were dispersed. They were spread out. And, and then you see that churches in different cities take root. And you see this Acts 1.8 that you'll be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it'll start in Jerusalem and go to Judea and then go to Samaria and then go to to the ends of the earth and we see this take place as we read through the book of Acts. We see this happen because of the churches that were started. We see this happen because of relationships, right? And so uh, this, is, this is what happens. There was a book that came out in the 80s and I don't know if anybody here has heard of this book. Uh, it was a Christian book uh, called Concentric Circles of Concern. Does anybody remember that book? I remember studying it back in the early 90s in college. We studied this book, um, and it was an old book, and um, it was called Seven Stages for Making Disciples, and it was kind of like a, a ripple in a lake, and you know, if you throw a rock in a, a lake, it's neat. You have one circle, and then you have more, and they just kind of spread out, right? If you forgot what concentric circles are, it's circles that have the same center point, right? Just for those that, that had trouble in geometry, and it just kind of spread out. And I think I have a, a diagram to put up on the screen. Um, since we're talking about circles, this is what the book was about. And I just remembered it this week and thinking, and, and I'll kind of explain it here a little bit. Um, this, the author that wrote this book, he said, relationship is, is how the early church transmitted the gospel and how it's best transmitted today. It starts with a good, right relationship with God and, and with others, and that's the first step. And then when it's, you think about making disciples, you think about evangelizing others, right? Uh, it, you know, we, we typically think about one person out there that we need to reach. And he says we need to kind of rethink that a little bit. Uh, and he, he talks about how the early church, it transmitted from person to person, relationship to relationship, uh, in the center is your yourself, right? And then you start moving outward. Then it's your family that you build relationships with and disciple and minister to. And then it's your relatives. Uh, and then it's your friends. And then it's your neighbors and associates. And then it's your acquaintances. And then it's that person X that's way out there, right? And he says that churches are so uh, focused on saving person X that we forget about all these people in between sometimes. It's kind of an interesting book. I mean, good book, just, uh, just a little bit older, but it's still out there. Um, and I, I, sh I was just thinking about, right, when we start thinking about relationships, this is doable. 
this is doable. Let's focus, right, on this, these, these inner circles, start working our way out, but let's not get complacent and forget about those acquaintances and forget about that person that doesn't know Jesus yet. Let's not get so comfortable that we just do life the way we've always done it and really just get comfortable. And, and so uh, this, this is, uh, I felt like this was kind of a, an interesting uh, uh, book and just made me remember it this week. We, did, we just finished a series not long ago called How to Bless Your Neighbor. And in that, right, in that series, we talked about how you begin with prayer, how you listen and how you eat meals with others and how you, uh, how you serve them and then how you share your story. And, and that's really what it's talking about, how we build relationships, how we start where we are and start spreading out and building more and more relationships. So when we talk about connecting in this series we're in, we talk about community. Sometimes, I think for some of you in here, you, you, would, you would probably find yourself in that category. You would say, that's a little overwhelming. I just don't like people. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm shy. I don't like meeting people. I don't like, I'm just, I would rather be at home curled up reading a book, right? Some of you are like that. And, and, and I would say, but when you look at something like this, this is how you expand your circle. It starts with the people you already are around, your family, your relatives, and your friends. Then you start being aware of your neighbors and your associates. Then you start becoming aware of those people, the acquaintances in your life. And then it's amazing. God will give you those divine appointments to go and share, to go and befriend, to go and serve those people that you may have not ever met before, but who God puts in your path for a reason. And so that kind of leads me to my next point. We should be intentional about expanding our circle of friends. Um, this is, again, I know some of you are comfortable. Some of you like where you are. And, but we've got to be intentional about looking for people who need Jesus. Jesus was constantly looking to connect with others. And I'll just tell you, you can never right, have enough friends. You can never have enough friends where you say, I don't need anybody else. I'm full. My, my slots are full. I'm done. We need to be constantly looking for other people. Um, you look around today and everybody seems like wants to be an influencer uh, on social media. Everybody's like trying to figure out how they can make a living just by doing videos and posting stuff online. Um, it's interesting uh, to see sometimes uh, I would say it's a little bit, um, how could I say this nicely? It's a little bit um, prideful, maybe. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to filter out words that I probably shouldn't share. It's a little self-centered. There, there, okay, I'll, I'll share that. And when we were like, hey, everybody look at me. Look at how awesome I am. And now will you give me money so I can just travel the world and talk about what we're doing? And that's kind of, everybody wants to be influencers now. But the reality is, right, just the way we live our life, just in everyday life, it shows that we have influence. Shows that we have influence over others. Um, 
I've, I've had this book idea for a while, and I've actually started writing the introduction. It's based on Acts 17 about how we can take our everyday influence and make a lasting impact. And um, y'all, I, I share that because I want you guys to hold me accountable. Keep asking me about it because I need to get this thing done because the idea has been in my head. I've outlined it out. Uh, I've started little bits and pieces. I, I really uh, I think it, it's just a, a, I think it's an awesome application of how you, we can go and take the message to people who are far from God. Um, and so I'm excited about it. I just got to get it done. So y'all help me get this thing done because um, I want to. Uh, but, but the reality is, right, we need to be intentional about taking the message outside our normal, everyday circle of influence. Jesus, he challenged, um, he challenged his disciples a lot. Uh, Jesus didn't allow them to stay comfortable very long. He, made, he, he challenged them to do things that they normally wouldn't do. And the, the reality is, when he pushed them out into the deep end of, you know, of the pool, it was kind of those sink or swim moments. And sometimes they, uh, sometimes like Peter, they walked on water, and sometimes like Peter, they sank. And we see that with Jesus. Uh, we see that there was this high challenge, this high invitation, this uh, like he, and they did it not out of guilt, not out of obligation, but because. Jesus saw something in them. He called out a better way to live when he, when he was living with them. And then he would get them together, and in John 15, he would say things like this. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for your one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And not only that, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves, but now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. So in John 15, he's talking about the vine and the branches, right? If you abide in me and, and you know, you, you'll bear much fruit and you'll do nothing apart from me and all this talk about being connected to the vine, about where you receive your nourishment, he tells them, right, you're not my slaves. You don't have to do what I tell you. You're my friends. You're my, you're my friends. And, and friends do stuff for each other. Friends will even lay down their life because they care so much about the welfare of others. That's the, that's the, that's the Jesus that we follow. Um, and when he talks about friends here, it's this word philos in the Greek. And it, it was also a word that was talking about this, this you know, the friends that we have. But uh, it, it, was also, uh, it was also a word in that time that was used to describe those people who would be close enough to be your kind of your bridesmaid or your groomsmen. And those who had been with you through thick or thin and those who would support you and your big decisions. It was about loyalty. It's about the people you could count on. And that was where he's saying, you're no longer my slaves. You're my friends. You're the people who I can count on. You're the people who are going to be there when I need you. Now, that's the way he challenged them. And so he he calls us to that same kind of life where we have that same type of friendship and, and we've got to be intentional about building those relationships. 
It starts with being rooted in Christ. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's where it starts, but then it kind of branches out. And when it branches out, it's fruitful. What, is it, what does it mean by being fruitful? Well, we could talk about the fruit of the Spirit, but I think here it means we are fruitful in accomplishing the mission that God has given us to go and make disciples. So we're fruitful when we go out and build those relationships where we're intentional about sharing Jesus. And so when we have good friends, you're going to find yourself enjoying and relishing your relationship with God more and more. I read this this week. It said, so biblical Christian friendships means that we secure ourselves to the sure, steadfast anchor of Christ. And while holding to that anchor, we give and receive the gift of friendship to others as he gives us the opportunity. The goal is to enjoy God together with other Christians and as we move through life to sharpen our friends and to allow ourselves to be sharpened by them. That's, that's what friendship looks like. Uh, we sharpen each other as we go out. And, and, and the truth is, right, if we're not intentional about it, we're never going to be sharing about Jesus with others. Statistics show, and, and this, this is sad and it's scary, statistics show that 9 out of 10 Christians don't share their faith. 9 out of 10 Christians have never led another person to Jesus. Why is that? It's because we become so ingrained in our everyday busyness that we don't see opportunities. It's because we allowed Satan to feed us the lie that we're not qualified. That it's someone else's responsibility. It's because we don't have confidence in who God is because if we did, we would know that it's him speaking through us and it's not all on our shoulders. In John 15, if you keep going in John 15, right after that, that passage I just read, it says, And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Now, he was speaking to the disciples here, but we have, we've been with Jesus. And the longer you've been with Jesus, the more your responsibility is to testify what you have seen, what you have heard, what you have experienced, what's happened in your life. And really just to tell others about Jesus, it's that simple. It's just to share, this is how I met Jesus, this is how he changed me, and this is what's happened in my life. That should just be as natural as an everyday conversation that we can share with others what God is doing. It's, I read this too in that, that article. It said, so what does that have to do with our friendships? It means that we don't allow our goal to become maintaining our comfortable social circles. We must be content with fewer friends and seasonal friendships. Otherwise, we may run from one coffee date to another. We'll lose the ability to see the lonely neighbor in the house next door or the struggling single mom at the store. We've got to realize, right, there are always people in our path that God has given us opportunities to interact with and to develop relationships, to, to, to share about Jesus. But we've got to be intentional about it to do it. Now, again, you know, the, the, the tendency is to draw back in our holy huddles. And we need those small groups of friends. We need those close 
friends because close friends are the ones that we can trust. But that's, again, we start moving out. We become intentional about expanding the circle. One of the reasons we do our semester system of life groups here at Cornerstone is because if you just have one group that meets over and over and over and over again, and the, and the whole church is like that, you just have these groups that have met for years and years and years, what happens? You start becoming a little inwardly focused. And it's good to have those deep friendships. But our goal with the semester system of life groups, where we have different groups at different times, is that when you go into these groups, you get to meet new people. And then out of that, we hope will flow some close friendships that you continue building and investing in out of the group. Does that make sense? So you, there'll be, because you get in a group, sometimes there are going to be people in that group that, you know, we talked about how iron sharpens iron. They're just sandpaper, <laughs> right? Sometimes you're in a group with people that are full, that are very just much abrasive, right? That you just do not get along with. That's all right. Right? We need that from time to time, but they're probably not going to be your closest friend that you can trust because they drive you crazy. Amen? I don't want to see anybody elbowing and pointing fingers and looking. But that happens. But when we have semester life groups, there's, it allows you to meet a lot of different people. It allows you to open your life most fully to the friends that you can trust most deeply. And Jesus, you see how he did that with his disciples and how he talked to people. I read this. It says Jesus, uh, well, he said he spoke to the crowds. He, when he was with the crowds, he spoke in parables to Herod. He said nothing at all to the disciples. He made known all that he had heard from his father. And for this reason, he could call them for his friends. So you open your life most fully to the friends you can trust most deeply. And it means that we have to be careful as we are intentional about expanding our circle, right? There's some people you can trust and there's some people you can minister to, but there's also some people that will pull you down. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. But if you associate with fools, you'll get in trouble. All right, parents, this is that verse you tell your kids, right? I, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. This is the verse, you, like if you're going to be the average of the five people that you're closest to, this is walk with the wise, you'll become wise. Your friends are so important. First uh, Corinthians 15 in the New Testament says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. So these concentric circles, we start with our family, spread out to our relatives, go to our friends, go to our neighbors and associates, then go to our acquaintances. We're constantly looking to, to press out, to expand, to be intentional about expanding those circles. And I'll just mention this before I move on. Your friends don't have to be just like you. I'm thankful that I've got friends who are very different from me. Because I'm kind of weird, okay? I need people who are different from me. And they're, um, they make me better. They make me think differently. They make me view things from other directions. And when we include people from all walks of life, it, it just, it's that unity that, that Jesus prayed for. I pray that the church would be one so that the world will be able to see the Father. Uh, in the Psalms of Ascent, in Psalm 133, 
These are psalms that were prayed as the pilgrims traveled to Jerusalem. And as they got to the temple, they would repeat these psalms. And uh, you can stand on the southern steps going up to the temple now today in Israel, and you'll see that they're uneven in different spacings. And as you go up these steps, they, they, they space them differently like that to make people just pause as they walked up to reflect. And this is one of the psalms that they would read, and it says, How wonderful! And pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. That's what I think about when I start thinking about the friends that we make, the relationships we have. When God looks down on it, it's like they're all different, but they're living in unity. They may, they may look different. They may speak differently. But to get, they know they have this mission and purpose. So how do we do this? Let's kinda, I want to kind of close with this. How do we expand our circle? Um, and this, I'll just share this real quick as we go through the first thing. We've got to initiate. We have to go first. We've got to be intentional, right? Uh, we, we, it won't happen by accident. We've got to constantly look for opportunities and pray for them. Then we listen. We listen. We, we, we listen and ask good questions. We we look people in the eyes. We're, we hear their stories. We don't just talk about ourselves. We actually listen to the stories of others. Then we encourage. We tell people what we see in them. We, we lift them up. We speak courage into their life like we talked about last week, right? A good friend will look for how God is working in your life and tell you about it. And, and we need to do the same. Um, and I would just say, if you feel like no one ever encourages you, maybe it's because you're not an encourager yourself. Because when we start encouraging other people, it's amazing they'll start encouraging you as well. It's a culture that's built. And then finally, we share. We share. We, we share the real stuff of what's going on in our life. We share what God is doing we open up, we become vulnerable, we talk about Jesus, we talk about how he's moving in his life, we've talked about what he, he does in our life. And, 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 and so it's not just serving, it's not just doing things for Jesus, it's telling people about Jesus as we do them. And so I want to challenge you a, a little bit right now. I want you to think about your friends, I want you to think about are you open to expanding your circle of friends? Uh, we're going to talk next week about how it gets a, a little hard to do that sometimes about the conflict and, and how we resolve that and how we work through those because it's, it's tough, right? But, but how are we doing that? And, and are you open to expanding your friends so, right, this is the important thing, so that more people will hear about Jesus? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray as a church that you would give us opportunities. You would give us those divine appointments. You would put people in our path that need to know you. And Lord, I pray that we'll have the eyes to see it. We'll have the courage to, 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 to speak into their life that we would not be so busy that we miss it. Lord, I pray that you would help us get over ourselves and our holy huddle mentality, and you would help us to, to see how there are people all over our community and all over the world that need Jesus, that need a friend, that need someone to listen, that need someone to care about.
Lord, help us to be that type of person. Help us to build relationships with our family and with our friends and our acquaintances and help us to, to, to really just continue to look for more and more ways to, to reach others in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as a church, I pray that you would continue using us to speak Jesus into a world that needs Jesus, to, to, to really help others to see and trust Jesus. Lord, we, we're so thankful for this morning. We're thankful for this church. Uh, we're, we're just praying, Lord, that you continue to give us opportunities. It's in the name of Jesus we pray today. Amen.